You and I can be deceived if we don't stay in the Word of God. Say, not me, Pastor Jeff. I'm a, I'm stalwart. I'm tough. I'm rough. I'm a, you can't pull the wool over me. If you said that, you're deceived. We can all be deceived. And um, I'm going to talk to you today about false prophets um, because Jesus did. Why should I not talk about it since Jesus did? I mean, he really did. So did Paul, Peter, James, John, and Jude, the epistle writers, writers of the epistles. Paul, Peter, James, John, and Jude uh, warned against false teachers, false prophets. And I got to tell you, I don't think I've ever seen in my entire preaching ministry uh, more false, uh, social media has done it. There's more false prophets out there uh, because of social media than I've ever seen in my entire life. Everybody's had a dream, a vision, a visitation, this and that and the other, and they've got a word for the day, a word for the week, a word for the month. It's almost like reading a horoscope, right? But Jesus warned about it. Now, when asked about what would characterize the last days, now catch this, dear church, they asked the Son of God, Lord, tell us what will be the sign of your coming? What will characterize the culture of the world, before you return? What will it look like? And Jesus gave us many things. Wars, rumors of wars, famines, pestilences, earthquakes in many places, all of that, persecution. But he mentioned deception by way of false Christ, false prophets, and false teachers more than he did anything else. Matter of fact, those other things he mentioned once. False Prophets and teachers, he mentioned four times, warning the church. Much of your Bible is in the form of warning. Are you aware of that? A whole lot of things in your Bible. A lot of the passages, a lot of the verses are God warning us to avoid the pitfalls, landmines, and traps that are in this world. So I'm going to talk to you out of uh, Jesus' words in Matthew 24. They said, tell us what will be the sign of your coming. Now listen to what he said. I'm only going to quote what he said about false prophets and teachers. He said, Take heed that nobody deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, Hate to break it to you, but I'm Jesus. Don't know how to tell you this, but I'm the Christ. And look what Jesus said. Many will believe them. Then, verse 11, many false prophets will rise up and deceive how many? Many for false Christ. Now watch what he's saying. Before I return, for false Christ and false prophets will rise. And they'll even show signs and wonders to deceive. They, they will move in a supernatural arena that looks like God, but it's not God. They will, they will seem to perform supernatural signs, but it's not the power of the Holy Spirit. It's another power. Is that not what it just said? Am I reading a wrong Bible here? Yeah. So they'll be extremely convincing. It occurred to me this week, Judas cast out devils and healed sick people. When Jesus sent the 12 out, Judas was one of them, but he wasn't real. Didn't we say, uh, or Lord, didn't we do many things in your name? Didn't we heal the sick, cast out Devils, didn't we do many wonderful signs in your name? And Jesus will say, depart from me, I never knew you. So that's talking about the false prophets, the false teachers that will characterize the last days. 
And then verse 25, see, I have told you beforehand. I told you ahead of time. I've warned you. I've, I've, I've let you know you're going to be facing this before I return. You're going to be confronted with deception that is very convincing. So today I want to talk to you about false prophets and how to respond to them. Is that okay? How many of you love the Word of God? Amen. Lord, we just thank you for your blessing today. And I pray that you will give discernment to the church. Lord, how badly we need discernment. How badly we need to know your Bible well enough that we cannot be deceived by the myriad false prophets and teachers that surround us today because of media. Lord, in Jesus' name, we pray that you will help us to be razor sharp in our ability to spot a false teaching, a false prophet, a false message, so that we are not taken astray. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, tell your neighbor, you better listen. You might need it before you get home. Amen. Now, let me just real quickly recap last week. We saw last week that there is a genuine gift of prophecy that's real. And Listen, I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. That's the last thing I want to do. There is a real gift of prophecy clearly in the Bible. All right? It's one of the nine spiritual gifts that Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians 12, the gift of prophecy. I want us to note, though, that another one of those nine is the gift of discernment. All right? There's the gift of prophecy, but there's also the gift of discernment. Now, Uh, Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, I want you to listen to this. Don't quench the spirit and do not utterly reject prophecies. The New King James Version says don't despise prophecies. But look what he says about prophecy. When you hear a prophecy, examine everything. Everybody say examine. Now this isn't Jeffism. This isn't Wickwireism that I'm telling you today. This is not something I came up with. This is what the Bible says. So can I go ahead and say something non-politically correct? We're supposed to judge. No, that's not, that's not of, of the Lord. We're not supposed to judge. We're supposed to not judge. No, when it comes to the things of God or something that presents itself to us as God, we're supposed to examine, judge, test, prove everything. Um, hold firmly to that which is good. Once you've judged it, and, and if you have deemed it to be of God, hang on to it. If you haven't deemed it to be of God, if it's not of God, reject it. Now, here's, here's another version. Um, Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, um, don't stifle those who have a word, an inspired message from the master. Don't stifle them. On the other hand, don't be gullible. Check out everything. I want you to say that with me, church. Don't be gullible. Can we try that again? Don't be gullible. That means you believe anything and everything that comes your way when you're gullible because the person that's up there saying it has a reputation or they have a level of charisma or especially they're on TV. And if they're on TV, they got to be right. Oh, listen, there's so much wrong on TV. There's, There's good on TV, but there's also things that are out to lunch, space cadet stuff on TV. All right? So he says, don't be gullible. Don't be gullible. Check out. Even a fish is not gullible. When you go fishing, they check that bait out before they decide to bite. A lot of Christians don't check anything out. 
They just listen to everything. Now, uh, keep only what's good. Throw out anything tainted with evil. So where to inspect things. Now, we also saw there's two kinds of New Testament prophecy. Here they are. Forth telling. When you tell forth. That's the first kind. Which is to bring an inspired message or an exhortation. Like right now, I'm forth telling. I'm telling forth the word of God. This is a kind of prophecy. That's what the Bible says. If, if somebody brings an inspired uh, word from the congregation uh, 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 in prophetic form, that's, that's a prophecy. That's a forth telling. It's a telling forth uh, that which edifies, exhorts, and comforts the church of God. But then there is foretelling. Foretelling, for me, when you're in the prophetic realm, is a whole different level because now you're forecasting the future. A foretelling is forecasting a future event, listen, with specificity, so that when you hear the forecast, the, the, the foretelling of a future event, it is detailed enough that you will know whether or not it came to pass. Okay? You read the Old Testament prophets, New Testament prophets. They prophesied things that, man, they had better be right because they were very detailed so that they could easily be proven wrong if they were wrong, think about the Bible prophets is they were never wrong. They were never wrong. Now, this is what the Old Testament prophets routinely did. They told the future. Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Daniel. There's 12 minor prophets, four major prophets. That's just talking about the difference in the length of the books that they wrote. The four major, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, wrote long books. Isaiah 66 chapters, for instance. The, the minor prophets are not minor in that they're less prophets, but they wrote shorter books. But there's 12 minor, four major. And they forecast the future. They predicted future events with great specificity and detail. Events that sometimes happen in their lifetime, like Jeremiah telling Judah, you're going to go into bondage, you're going to go into captivity if you don't repent. And, and, they, and they didn't. Jeremiah spent his whole life warning them telling them exactly what was going to go down if they didn't repent. And they didn't, and Jeremiah was there to watch them himself carried away into captivity. And you read the book of Lamentations, and it's Jeremiah weeping over the people being carried into captivity per his detailed forecast. Old Testament Bible prophets predicted the birthplace of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? You, Bethlehem, though you're little among the clans of Judah, out of you will he come forth? Bethlehem. His, the, the, the prophets predicted his miraculous ministry of healing. His death on the cross. Read Psalms 22. David penned it by the inspiration of the Spirit that, that he's hanging on a cross, and the cross hadn't even been invented. Great specificity and detail. They have pierced my hands and my feet when no such instrument of execution existed. Psalms 22. They predicted that they would cast lots for Jesus' clothes while he hung on the cross, and they did. That he would be betrayed, not just betrayed, but betrayed for, for 30 pieces of silver. Zechariah predicted it. Centuries before it happened, Judas sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. Great detail, great specificity. If he's wrong, he's way wrong. If he's right, he's way right. In the book of Acts, jumping into the New Testament, 
we find a prophetic man named Agabus who foretold a coming famine in the early church days. It says, Acts eleven twenty seven. now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. Prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch in the New Testament. And one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold, look at that word, foretold. He forecast a future event, a big one. He said there's going to be a major famine, a great famine, and it's going to cover the entire world. And this took place in the days of Claudius. And the church so believed his future forecast that they raised money and took it to the poor saints in Jerusalem to prepare them for this famine. And history everywhere uh, tells us that that famine, it was a great one and it came and the church was protected because of the cautionary forecast of a prophetic man. Are you with me? Now, folks, there's no way you can predict future events like this unless the God who, who stands outside of time, who knows the past, the present, and the future of all things, tells you what's going to happen. No other way to do it. Anything else is guesswork. You know, like forecasting an election. We've got a 50-50 chance of being right. But, but betrayed for 30 pieces of silver? Huh? Dying on an instrument of torture that doesn't even exist yet? That's all future forecast by the God who is in the future waiting for us to arrive. Amen. Now, here's where I'm going with this. Anytime there's something genuine from God, like prophecy, then there's also going to be a counterfeit that the devil will raise up for his own evil use. The devil doesn't have anything new. All the devil can do is copy God. That's all he can do. He can't create anything. He he doesn't create anything. He can only counterfeit what the great creator creates. And that's what the devil does. And so, guess what? He has counterfeited prophecy, and that's why there's false prophets and false teaching, false messages, false predictions, false words. For instance, God sent Christ into the world. Satan will send his anti-Christ, counterfeit. God sends angels to minister to God's people and deliver. Satan sends fallen angels to deceive and destroy. God gave his holy Bible. You're holding in your hand your Bible, and God gave you that Bible. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It came from the mouth of God. It is a gift from God. You ought to love that Bible. Can I tell you the truth? This morning I hugged my Bible. I hugged my wife too, but I hugged my Bible. I I did because it's so precious to me. I don't want to sound weird. Don't go ahead and say, well, Pastor Jeff is kissing on his Bible. No, I'm not. I'm just telling you, I'm so thankful for the Word of God that I just, I just held it tight. Yeah, just had a little moment there. I said, thank you, Lord, for your Word. Amen. Because it's your life these days, that Word. But Saint, Satan, counterfeiting, has sent many false books claiming to be divinely given. Book of Mormon, Book of Jehovah's Witnesses, the New World Translation of the Jehovah's Witnesses, a myriad of New Age books that litter bookstores, claim to be supernatural, divine, given to us by God, but they're fakes and phony counterfeits. God gave us the true one and only pathway to salvation. 
Satan has raised up many false pathways to salvation. And that's why we can never lose the message that there is only one pathway to salvation. His name is Jesus. You won't get there any other way. I don't care what you do, who you turn to. You're not going to get there any other way. I'm the way, Jesus said. I'm the truth, and I'm the exclusive one and only life. And no man comes to the Father but through me. That's it. And we're never going to let that message go. Never. Because that's the message of the church. So the bottom line is, if there's a real, there's a counterfeit. You got it? If there's a real, there's a counterfeit. If you got it, give the Lord a hand. Come on. If there's a real, there's a counterfeit. Now, Jesus also predicted that a key target, the target audience of false prophets would be the church. Jesus said, beware of false prophets. Did he say that? Can we read that together? Beware of false Who's he talking to? His disciples. And look what he says. Who come disguised. So they're phonies and fakes right off the bat. But what do they come disguised as? Harmless sheep. But they're really vicious wolves. Well, the only reason you put on a sheep disguise is if you want sheep to think you're a sheep. Because how are you going to deceive sheep unless you look like a sheep? So you got a wolf here, and he pulls over himself a sheep disguise and says, bah. But he has come in amongst you to devour you, which is what wolves do. False prophets, false teachers are infiltrating the church of Jesus Christ in these last days. False ones, phony ones, bad doctrine. Bad prophecy, things that you don't find in the Word of God. I'm just telling you what Jesus said. I'm not quoting Jeff. I'm quoting Jesus. Never going to get up here and quote Jeff. I'm nothing. But the Bible that I preach and the God of that Bible is everything. And he's warned us. He's warned us. So today I want to answer two simple questions. I'm going to answer them. First, how do you spot a false prophet? And second, what should be your response? And remember, I'm not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. I showed you how it's real. But let me talk about the counterfeit. How do you spot a false prophet? Because you can spot them, and we need to be spotting them. First of all, false prophets who say, in the name of the Lord, or in the, in the name of Jesus, here's what God is saying, and they prophesy, you will also find that they twist God's word. False prophets twist God's word word. They don't rightly divide the word of truth. They don't break it down and teach you as it is. They read into it what they want it to say, or they add to the Bible to make it say what they want it to say. But that's not my job as a preacher. My job as a preacher is to take what God gave us and pull it out and give it to you as best I can, exactly what God meant to communicate. But a false prophet doesn't have that motive. A false prophet's motive is to teach you wrong and to lead you by their words, not the word of God. They twist God's word. Listen to Peter. Quote, in the past, there were false prophets among God's people. It's the same now. You will have some false teachers. Now notice he first said prophets, then teachers, because false prophets also falsely teach. You will have some false teachers where, everybody? What's it say? In your group. 
They will teach things that are wrong, ideas that will cause people to be lost. And they'll teach in a way that will be hard for you to see that they are wrong. Smooth operators, golden silver tongues, charismatic, attractive, magnetic, um, appealing. God's not going to send somebody up there ugly on a stick, wearing a red suit with a pitchfork, saying, I'm here to deceive you real good. No, he puts people up there that seem educated, eloquent, knowledgeable, appealing, persuasive, good at what they do, convincing. Oh, it just sounded so right. It sounded so good. Exactly. They're so smooth in their false teaching that it's hard to see they're wrong unless you know the word real good. If you know the word real good, they're not going to get down the street with you. They'll, they'll say five right things and then slip in one subtle wrong thing that you don't catch because they said five right things. Any, the best false prophets and false teachers always say some right things. Do you know that? They don't get up there and immediately launch into some crazy, zany, loony-sounding thing. They say right things, and then in the midst of the right things, they slip in wrong things. But that one false idea, that one false concept, that one twisting of God's Word is a hook that once you bite into it, it can lead you to expect something from God that God never guaranteed you. To believe something about Jesus that's simply not true? Or to misinterpret something in the Word that opens you up to further deception? You say, come on, Jeff, a little bit of false teaching never hurt anybody. If most of what they say is right, then, then nobody's totally right. I'm talking about when they say something false that is a major false. A, a basic biblical concept is being twisted and skewed. I'm talking about a major miss. You say, well, if most of what they say is good, then what's a major miss? Because most of what they say is good. Let me tell you something. If a pilot is off even one degree in his calculations of where he wants to get, he's off one degree, and he flies a few hours to get there, when he thinks he ought to have arrived at his destination, he discovers because of being one degree off, he's a thousand miles away from his destination and you can get a major Bible concept wrong and end up a thousand miles from where God wants you. So it does matter. It does matter. If I ever stand up here and say something that is not biblical, I want my, my men, my elders to take me aside and say, Pastor Jeff, that was wrong. What, to explain this to me. And believe me, they would. No, I'm going to, listen, if I say something wrong about the blood, about Christ, about the nature of Jesus, about who he was and is, uh, about um, um, eternity, heaven, hell, about the Bible being the word of God, if I go off on anything like that, I'm one degree off into the realm of great danger. But see, we don't catch things like that these days. Just because somebody says they're a prophet, we just believe it. 
and we listen to what they say. Well, ooh, ooh, wasn't that heavy? It may have been way heavy, heavy enough to take you into hell. One big red flag for me, let me give you an example, has been the infiltration of New Age spirituality into Christian circles by way of false teachers and false prophets. They say, what's New Age spirituality? Well, it's called NAM, N-A-M, New Age Movement, the New Age Movement. It's a collection of different Eastern influence philosophies and practices springing from Hinduism and Buddhism and that center around the occult and New Age thinking and New Age doctrine, New Age beliefs have infiltrated big chunks of the charismatic movement of which I'm a part. That is, I'm as charismatic as is the New Testament. I'm not going to go out of the New Testament. I believe the gifts are real. I believe healing is real. I, I believe in the moving of the Holy Spirit. But, but some branches of the charismatic movement are going off into areas I can't go because it's going into New Age stuff. The New Age movement, and this is just an example. This isn't, doesn't encapsulate all the false teaching that's out there, but I've, I've noted, I've, I've noticed, I've read many, many things and how New Age movement, New Age thinking has gotten into big chunks of the church world. What do they believe? Praying to angels. Praying to angels. Communicating with angels. I can't tell you how many times I've read people saying, oh yeah, I got this angel that comes to me all the time and communicates with me. Commanding angels. I command the angel of the east or the angel of the west to go do this, that, or the other. Hey folks, can I give you a heads up? Nobody commands angels but God. You can't command an angel. Are y'all with me? I hear that and I just shiver. Oh, really? There's an angel of the east and you're commanding the angel of the east to go and do this, that, and the other? You can't command angels? The belief that certain rocks or crystals have healing power. That has gotten into parts of the church, and that's crazy. That you've got some rock or crystal that's got healing power, and, and God gave you that rock. you got a head of rocks if you believe that rock has healing power. You shake and we hear it rattle. The belief in portals. What's a portal, Jeff? A portal is a doorway or a gate or a window where somebody that somebody finds, I'm talking about a Christian, supposedly finds or prays in and a portal that is supposedly once you got once you're in the portal it's a pipeline releasing continual power and communication from God they get it from the story of Jacob's ladder but folks here with all these things can i just make it simple with all these things do you find peter paul james john or jude talking about them Ooh, it's quiet in here today. <laughs> Let me tell you my portal. My portal is Hebrews 
4, 12 to 16. My portal is, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we might attain mercy and find grace to help us in the hour of need. The, the whole idea of a portal, listen, I encourage you, go check it out. It's straight out of new age. Straight out of new age. And it's the way they, they believe they connect to a spiritual source. They call them portals. But it's really demonic activity. There's no portal. It's not in the Bible. It's not there. And if it's not there, it's not for me. I'm just telling you. Portals. What you doing? I'm in my portal, man. I'm in my portal. Call me later. No, there's no such thing. There's no such, and yet you will find false prophets and false teachers all the time talking about portals. Oh yeah, I got a portal of prayer. I saw, I read yesterday. It was like God was wanting to confirm this part of the message to me because I just happened to, uh, I was on YouTube and I was looking at some, uh, some things and, um, teachers and whatnot. And here's one of them said that, that, that they had, that in their church, there was a portal for giving. There was a portal over that church for giving. And because the portal is there, their church was extra giving because they've got that grace, that portal grace over there, a portal of giving. No. Here's one, grave soaking, where a person lays on top of the grave of somebody that used to be greatly used of God to soak in their mantle and their anointing. Straight out of new age and the occult. And you say, come on, Jeff, that's pretty extreme. Yeah, I know, that, that one's extreme. But you'd be amazed how often it has happened and how many times people have gone on social media talking about it, the, the glory of it and the power of it and how they came away with somebody's mantle. No, you came away with dirt on you. You didn't come away with somebody's mantle. Because they're not even in their body. And there's nothing on their body. They're turning to ashes. There's no nothing down there. I'd rather look up than down. And, and, and so these are examples. And, and I know you're going, well, this is crazy stuff. I've never heard any of, any of this stuff. You'd be amazed how much these things are out there. And, and how does it happen when you drift from the word, when you drift from the word? And, and I'm not just talking about Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, and uh, well-known cults. I'm talking about false prophets and teachers that rise up, as Paul warned, listen, from among yourselves. Feel some of you looking around. I wonder, hey, Joe, how you doing? Been to any graves lately? They're on Christian TV. They're on radio, they're in social media, everywhere. In Christian bookstores, there's books, Christian bookstores have no business selling. And other Christian forums, they're out there. What did Jesus say? They're going to put on a sheep disguise and get in among you. They're going to succeed. So they're in all these places that we call Christian. Jesus and the apostles warned they're going to successfully infiltrate the church. They will be found among you. They are angels of light, Paul said. Angels of light. They come to you beaming with what looks like divine light. But it's a costume. It's fake. It's another light. 
It's another gospel. So they will twist the word. I could spend weeks on just that one, but I got to move on. Self-promotion. False prophets and false teachers are heavy self-promoters. They heavily pro- promote that they routinely uh, trumpet that they are prophets. I'm, I'm wary of anybody who, when I meet them, I say, oh, what do you do? I'm an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. I got all the five gifts, brother. I'm moving all of them. I'm God's anointed and appointed. Here I am. I'm looking for the exit sign as soon as I meet them because they're self-promoters. They routinely trumpet their gift. Listen to me carefully. I'm a shepherd. I'm a pastor. That I'll tell you I am. I'm a pastor and a shepherd. I'm supposed to protect. I, I grew up protecting. I grew up with three little sisters. And I'm the oldest and only boy. I got in fights over those girls. And you know what? Sometimes I realize they didn't want my protection. You, you beat him up, I liked him. He's my boyfriend. Some people in the church, I've learned pastoring, don't want my protection. They don't listen to what I say. But see, if I say it with everything within me, it comes from the word. Okay? Now, these people are self-promoters. You listen to them, and I've listened to a whole bunch of them the last few months. They repeatedly point out their giftedness. Are you aware of who you're talking to? I am gifted. I don't know how to tell you, but I'm just really gifted. They tell you why you should follow their ministry, because I'm so accurate. Things that I have said have come to pass, I am accurate. They tell you how anointed they are. There's anointed, and then there's anointed, and that's, a, well, I hate to tell you, it's, it's me. They tell you how amazingly God has used them. When, when you listen to a false prophet or a false teacher, you got to kind of walk away and, and let everything settle that you heard. And you'll realize that what they did was they pointed right at themselves the whole time. And they never pointed to the amazing accuracy of God's word. They never pointed to Jesus Christ. They pointed to themselves. They talked about themselves. Uh, uh, they, they, their exploits, their giftedness, their abilities, their divine grace. How amazingly God has used them. You don't feel like you were pointed to the word. You feel like you were pointed to them. Paul said, I am the least of the apostles. And I'm not even deserving to be called an apostle. Do you hear the self-effacing, downplaying of himself there, Paul? Paul wasn't like that. I'm the least of the apostles. I'm the worst of sinners, he said in another place. He downplayed himself. He, he shot himself down and he lifted up Jesus Christ. For me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. But false prophets and teachers rarely say anything like that. I'm not saying they never do, but they rarely do. Why? Because they want you to follow them. They want you to come under their influence regularly. And I'm going to go ahead and be bold today. They want your money. They'll tickle your ear to get to your back pocket. What, Pastor Jeff, good luck when this goes on the radio. Hey, let it go on the radio. 
I'm ready for it to go on the radio. I'm so sick of some of the fleecing of God's people that I see happening out there. I'm so tired of it. Listen to what Paul said. I'm just always going to quote the word. Listen to what he said. These false teachers and prophets will lead some of the Lord's followers away from the truth. Why? To follow them. You get on their mailing list. You get on their hook so that you're under their influence and you're no longer listening to the word of God. You're not getting, why go to the word of God if they give you a word for the day? This is why I harp all the time about how important it is for you to know your Bible. You've got to be like the Bereans, dear church. Listen, please be like the Bereans. Who are they? They're a group of people in the book of Acts. Paul came to them and preached the gospel to them. And listen to what it says they did. They welcomed the message with eagerness and examined. Everybody say the word examined with me. Because here it is again. They examined. What did they examine? Read it with me. They examined. I heard five of you. They examined. They themselves broke open the Bible and examined it to see if what Paul was telling them was true. When was the last time you ever walked away from hearing a prophet or an apostle or me and went to your Bible and said, let me see if what he said was true? When was the last time you did that? Never. Okay. I'm, I'm, um, I'm going to have to clean my ears out from all the amening I'm getting on this one, but I know it's a thought provoker. I know that, and I want to provoke you to thought. A final way to spot a false prophet is so simple. They have a track record of predicting future events that don't come to pass. They don't come to pass. Moses gave us the gold standard for judging prophecy. Are you ready? It's profound. He said, if you wonder, I'm quoting Moses now, if you wonder, how shall we know whether the prophecy is from the Lord or not? This is the way to know it. If the thing he prophesies doesn't happen, it is not the Lord. Can I have a duh? <laughs> if the thing he prophesies doesn't happen, Look what he doesn't say. He doesn't say that it was the devil. He doesn't say it's because God's people didn't pray enough. Does he? Now, the devil stopped the prophecy. It's a good prophecy, but the devil stopped it. No, you can't have that out. You cannot have that out. If you predict a major future event and it doesn't come to pass... God didn't speak it. Here's why. Because God is never stopped by devils or men. If God says, so, listen, Jesus is coming back no matter what men do. He's coming back no matter what devils do. He's coming back. Why? Because he said he's coming back. And nobody's going to stop him. He says, if it doesn't happen, it's not the Lord who has given him the message. He has made it up himself. Uh-oh, it was the dude's imagination or the dudettes. It was the imagination or it was their own wishes or desires or agendas. But they didn't speak it from the Lord because it didn't come to pass. And if there's a track record of that in their life, 
Why are you listening to them? Why would you? Oh, well, I just kind of like them. Well, good for you. Like them from a distance. But why would you continually listen to people that have a track record of predicting things that don't happen? Because they're not speaking from God. I mean, I guess if you want somebody speaking their own heart to you, go ahead, listen. If we're going to be honest today, we'd have to admit this is, happens routinely with certain high-profile prophets in America with national platforms. For instance, I'll give you for instance, I'm headed to the close. Some of you are saying, thank God. But I'm headed to the close. For instance, we heard all kinds of thus saith the Lord's prophecies about COVID from many self-proclaimed prophets all over social media and TV. You know why? Because the networks love to home in on future predictions from church people. Because when they don't come to pass, they got something to beat the church up with. That's why I say, if you're going to give a future prediction, a forecast, you better run it through sifters, leadership, elders, mature Christians before you, especially if you're going to take it to the whole nation. If you don't, then you're being totally irresponsible. Here's what some of them predicted. COVID, I I watched them, so this is not hearsay. I watched the YouTubes. I'm not going to give names. I don't need to. You can investigate it if you want to. They said that COVID would not come to America, thus says the Lord. They said that it would disappear by the end of last March, thus says the Lord. They said that it would not become a pandemic, thus says the Lord. It went everywhere. One high-profile Los Angeles pastor prophet prophesied last February 28th that COVID-19 would die down quickly. Now, here's the sad thing. Here's what bothers me as a pastor. Tens of thousands of people listen to these. Some of them young Christians, newborns, newbies, still in their spiritual diapers. And they look at these people like they are gods. And they place their faith and hope in what they say. And when it doesn't come to pass, they end up very disillusioned. And some of the younger ones even drift away from the faith. Because if that's not real, then what is real in this thing? That's why I know when I preach a Bible prophecy that I understand and I preach it accurately, I don't ever have to fear it not coming to pass or being right. Never. Because it's always right. Because it's breathed out by God, who's always right. God doesn't miss it. God never says, oops, I had a bad day, prophetically speaking. I was out creating other planets. I was distracted. So when listening to a prophet prophesying in the name of the Lord, which to me is scary, if I say in the name of the Lord, I'm speaking for God. I'm speaking for God. I'm bringing him into it. Here's what I need to do. 
I need to do some digging on that person. You should. Dig on me all you want. Take anything I preach. Scrutinize it. I want you to. I'm not kidding. Check me out. Am I sound? Am I balanced? Do I bring the scriptures? Check it out. You should before you give yourself to it. So if you hear somebody stand up and say, I'm a prophet, then you automatically, you ought to immediately rather pull out your phone or your iPad and find Google and type in their name and check them out. What's their track record on prophecy? What do they teach? Because you may discover they teach Looney Tune stuff. And, and if they do, why listen? Why? Because I just like them. Or I don't want to be judgmental. You better be judgmental. Let me close with an illustration I did once. I got a, I got, and I'm going to do it here probably. I got a blender. I got a blender, and I sat it on the stage, and I brought bluebell ice cream and blueberries and milk and a couple of other fruits, and I put them in, and I hit blend, liquefy. I put in that bluebell ice cream. Some of you are thinking I'm going straight for a shake when he's done. And I, and I hit liquefy and this beautiful milkshake, so good. And I said to the people that were all there, I said, how many of you would like a drink? I'd like a drink. Hang on. Hang on. And I got a little teeny BB-sized piece of chocolate. And I told them it was doggy do. And I dropped it in there. Little teeny. Just microscopic almost. And dropped it in there and hit liquefy. I said, how many of you now? would like a drink. It's just a little teeny percentage. The rest of it's good. It's free. Come on, right now. Anybody that wants it? No, there ain't no way. I had a couple, a couple people get up and walk out, grossed out. And I said, you won't touch a milkshake with a microscopic little bit of something revolting, but you'll sit and listen to somebody that's throwing little BB-sized things in their teaching the milkshake looks good, and most of it's good. But why would you go listen to people who have missed it, who have a track record of being wrong, who don't teach sound doctrine? Why? That's my case today. I want you to stand up, would you? I guess I've gotten picky in my older age, probably a little bit ornery, too. But folks, please hear me. We need to be picky. Why did Jesus say beware of false prophets if we shouldn't beware of them? Okay? Let's lift up our hands. Jesus, we just thank you for, the, for that which is real and good. We thank you for real prophecy, good prophecy, Holy Spirit-inspired prophecy. But we also, Lord, want to be wise with false prophecy, false teaching that will take us off a thousand miles from our destination. I pray for an anointing of discernment on the body of Christ, on this body, 
and everybody watching in their living rooms right now, their office, their car, wherever they are, we bless you. And I pray this for you and all listening by radio throughout the United States later. I pray for you that we will get discerning and we will get selective and we will get wise in who we give our ears and heart to. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand of thanks today? Amen, amen. Amen.